Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I just wanted to take a quick second to talk about Anchor. If you're looking to start a podcast and you haven't heard of Anchor, it's definitely the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. edition of the longhornscountry.com podcast. My name is Matt Galatson and I will be your host. And today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. Ryan Chapman of allsooners.com. Uh, he is the deputy, deputy editor and recruiting analyst for All Sooners and a um, good friend of the show. Ryan, how you doing? What's up, Matt? It's good to link up with you. It's been, gosh, since we were down uh, hanging out at the Elite 11 down there uh, in uh, Texas since we got to link up last. Yeah, yeah, Under Armour actually I think it was uh one of those camps we we kind of jumped into that together for the first time and it was an interesting experience. Uh a little rain, a little cold, a little little uh little bit of everything that day, but it was it was fun. Um so Ryan, obviously the uh the big news since last week. Um Texas and Oklahoma are officially jumping ship from the Big 12 and going to the SEC, which is just insane uh it's kind of sent our our both of our beats on you know just a complete you know uh a complete train wreck i mean it's, it's just been crazy we've been working our asses off and uh you know it's it's really picked up speed too you know we, we thought okay you know this thing could start to progress and then all of a sudden you know three days go by and texas is in oklahoma are both uh they're both withdrawing from the big 12 and they're both, you know, sending, sending letters to the sec saying, Hey, we want to join. So last week we kind of talked about the Texas side of this. I'd love to get the Oklahoma perspective on things because, you know, obviously Texas and OU are kind of uh, joined at the hip on this thing. And um, it's, it's just a massive, massive power move. Uh, But but what's going on over in Soonerland right now? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, first off, uh, it appears that the fan base is really excited. Uh, I'm sure that you've seen a lot of the same stuff there in in Austin. And uh, I think it's just a little bit different perspective just because when you talk about Texas, right, um, Texas has always been a recruiting just absolute powerhouse. They are the brand in the state of Texas. And it, it doesn't matter if they've had, you know, down years like they've had the last, you know, Uh, 10 years or so, or if they've been at their heights, like Texas carries that recruiting momentum year to year. OU has to work a lot harder for that. And like Lincoln Riley's done a really good job of that. But I think people are really excited because I I think the fan base understands like you no longer have to recruit against that. Oh, you're playing in the big 12, you you know, all the real NFL talent or whatever you want to call it plays in the SEC. So I, I think there's an excitement that, you no longer have to fight that battle. There's a, there's a hope that, um, you know, defensive coordinator Alex Grinch has come in and he's done a lot with the Oklahoma defense that I, I think a lot of Sooner fans are kind of dreaming of, 
oh my gosh, you pair a competent defensive coordinator with talent that can be brought in playing in the SEC along the defensive side of the football. And, and Sooner fans are, are pretty juiced. I, I would say they understand the challenge. I think they understand that it's not going to be a Oklahoma and Texas walk into the SEC and win the first five SEC championships in a row, something like that. Like, I think they get it. But when you look at the, the bigger scope with the 12-team playoff, stuff like that, I, I think that people seem pretty game for the challenge. They're just excited for, man, like all these new matchups that we're going to get, that we're excited to go cover, fans are excited to go and, uh, and get that side of things. So I, I think from top to bottom here in Norman, uh, you know, people are overall just really juiced about the move and excited that for once OU it was proactive on something instead of, you know, the, the Big 12 mode's kind of just been to sit and react the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, and, you know, obviously Oklahoma is probably a little bit better equipped to go win an SEC championship than Texas is at this point. Uh, Texas would probably have to compete for a Big 12 championship before they could compete for a, for an SEC championship. But Oklahoma is in a really unique position here because they're already so established. They're already a playoff team. And depending on how they schedule, you know, the, the, the games and how they, they divide up the division or if it's going to go to a four-team, you know, pod system or, or however it goes – you know, Oklahoma is already set up to be very, very successful going forward. How do you feel? And, and obviously we've seen stuff like, you know, what has happened in the playoff the last couple of years, they've been right there, but they haven't quite gotten over the hump. How do you see Oklahoma competing immediately on the field in the SEC? Because it, it sounds like we may not have to wait until 2025 at this point. It sounds like it could be 2022 from everything we've heard. Yeah, I think that, so it's really interesting because, what you're going to see on the field this next year out of Oklahoma, I think that's a team that they feel like they could go compete in the SEC. They feel like um, they've got that makeup both on the offensive side of the football. Like, guys, we we know what Lincoln Riley and his offense is. You guys know that looking at Steve Sarkeesian is that Sarkeesian took a lot of those concepts and he made them his own for sure, but it's a lot of the similar stuff that he ran at Alabama. And so we know on the high end, that Lincoln Riley's offense, is it going to be easy? No, but they're going to be able to score points in the SEC. I don't think they're – I think the the ethos, the, the mythos of, of the SEC defense, all that stuff, it's not dead, but it's kind of uh, – you know, it's lost a step or two. So I think that OU is going to score points. So it's just going to come down to the defense, and finally Oklahoma has a defense that they can compete. I mean, if you look at, like, this year's team, Nick Benito, Perrion Winfrey, and Isaiah Thomas, uh, the rush line background, the two defensive linemen, like they would be a, a great defensive line unit in the SEC or the Big 12 or wherever. So this is a team that I think will be immediately competitive. It's kind of interesting, the timing. Um, if you're just talking about from a, a play standpoint, for Oklahoma, if, they, if their goal is to win the SEC in year one, they might rather go in 2023 instead of 2022, just because if everything goes according to plan, Spencer Rattler is going to go to the NFL you're going to lose a bunch of defensive talent along the line. You'd, you'd rather have that extra year to kind of rebuild. But uh, I, I think it's a team that's well-equipped to go in. I mean, Matt, I'm sure you've seen a lot of this. Of the, There's like PFF had Oklahoma power ranked as the number one team in the SEC theoretically this year. I don't know if I'd go that far to put them above Alabama. But another sports book came out with theoretical lines, and OU would have been favored against everyone against, except Alabama. I think that's right. Like, I, I think that – um, anyone on the OU side who thinks they're going to come in and reel off five straight SEC championship games is just probably a little diluted. I think anyone on the SEC side that comes in and thinks that Oklahoma is going to be a perennial eight and four team just because they got curb stopped by maybe the best college football team we've ever seen at LSU and 
and didn't have a, def- a defensive coordinator basically against uh, Georgia and the Rose Bowl. Like, I, I think those people are just as deluded on that end as well. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it's going to be tough for either school to, to come in. Um, but one thing that has kind of separated the big 12 and the sec as far as recruiting goes is just that pitch of, Hey, you get to play in the best conference in college football going to the sec. And that is always kind of held back. Oklahoma hasn't had as much of a problem with it as Texas had because Texas has had to compete in its own state with an sec school with Texas A&M because of, and because of that moniker, they've lost out on a lot of those battles. Oklahoma has been a little bit better on the recruiting trail, but, but either way, Texas and Oklahoma still have the potential to be giant recruiting powers. How does this change to the sec affect that? Because it, it seems like they're sleeping giants. And if they just had that little extra boost of, Hey, we're in the sec now, there's no, really no limit to what they can do. So can they come into the, the SEC, like immediately use that pitch and just, you know, kind of dethrone A&M, who's been crushing on the rec- recruiting trail the last couple of years and dethrone some of these other schools, maybe not Alabama, but can they, can they even take another level of, of uh, or go to another level on the recruiting front? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think like starting at Texas, like, I think we're going to see the, the state of Texas return to be the Longhorns backyard once again, right? Like, because when, when you just look at, like, yeah, Jimbo Fisher has A&M in a good spot right now, but this is still a program that, not, when's the last time Texas A&M was a national championship contender or relevant? Like, 1939? Yeah, you want to go on? Like, that's the thing. It's, they've always been the noisy neighbors. And I, I think that we have, what, 15, 20 years of data of when Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M were all in the same conference. Oklahoma and Texas, did they beat A&M every single year? No, it was more competitive than some of their other conference mates, but they beat their ass on the recruiting trail. And more times than not, it was A&M that was getting embarrassed between the white lines on Saturday. So like, I, I think that that's big time. And that'll be the big thing for Texas. For Oklahoma, they've always had that uphill battle of even when OU, Texas, and A&M are all in the same conference, like Texas is in the state of Texas. Oklahoma is not in the state of Texas. So it's going to be harder to pull those Texas kids. Like, I think that no one listening to that's going to be super confused by that. So OU's done a really nice job of, they've gone to the West Coast. They've made some inroads in Southern California. They've gone to the East Coast, to the DMV area. Shane Beamer was essential in Caleb Williams. Now Derek Moore, guys like that, that come out of the Baltimore, DC area, stuff like that. And Mike Stoops, of all people, ironically, was really good down in South Florida. And OU's been able to kind of keep some of those inroads. So now, from an Oklahoma perspective, Texas is going to become that top value again in, in Texas. And Oklahoma's going to be able to much easier, like, can you imagine, Matt, going to the West Coast and saying, like, okay, yeah, you can go to USC, but you can come to Oklahoma, which a lot of your you know, contemporaries have already done. And now you can come to Oklahoma and play in the SEC versus the Pac-12. Like, that's a, that's a no-brainer sell there. Uh, it makes it a little bit easier if a kid's wanting to leave California, going down to Florida, going down to Georgia, even where OU's tried to go the last couple of years to pull a guy or two. It's just going to make it that much easier because these kids, they grow up hoping to play SEC football. Don't take that from me. You know, uh, one of our good friends, our colleague, John Garcia Jr., he's the recruiting director at Sports Illustrated All American. He sat down with me at allcenters.com. I'll send you that link if you want to put it in, in the episode description or whatever. But we had a big conversation about um, why kids in the South, why the SEC resonates with them and, and like how quickly this can happen. 
And uh, John Garcia basically said overnight, Oklahoma and Texas are going to be able to put the SEC logo on all of their branding stuff in recruiting, send that out, and it's going to resonate immediately. So I, I don't think you can understate, obviously, OU and Texas are going to get a massive payday, a massive payday going to the SEC. But just as important as that, they're going to get a huge boost in recruiting, and that's going to help just continue their momentum to continue to be competitive and try to uh, ascend back to the top end of, of a conference as they make that jump to the SEC. Okay, so here's where I want to go next. And um, this is probably a conversation that could take two hours, but we're going to try and keep it to a few minutes, maybe maybe 15 minutes or so. We'll see how it goes. But obviously this move, and I talked a little bit about it with John last week, but I kind of want to get into it deeper here. Um, this move is going to kind of change everything we know about college sports. Uh, every, I feel like every conference and this, maybe this is just me, but I, and I, I think every conference is going to be going or at least trying to get to a 16 team uh, structure as soon as possible, which would inevitably end up with, you know, four, four team divisions and every, in each of the four major conferences, um, Anyway, that's just the way I think it's going to go. So why don't we try to kind of go conference by conference and we'll start with the SEC since that's where we're both going to be living now. How do you see that being structured in terms of those, let's say they go with the four division structure. How do you see those being, those four divisions being structured? Because there's any number of ways they could go. I mean, Alabama and Auburn are just kind of right there in the middle geographically. They could go you know, they could link up with Tennessee and Vanderbilt. They could go in a different direction. I mean, what, what's your feel on that? So I actually really liked, was, was it the first screenshot that came out by the SEC network where basically that was the first time it started out that way, where you had basically your four pods, you had two quote unquote, like major teams in each pod. So that was, it was the OU Texas, Missouri, Arkansas pod. It was LSU, A&M, I believe it was, what, Vanderbilt, and gosh, the, the, someone else tossed into that. And then you had Alabama and Auburn in the same spot and Georgia and Florida in the same spot. And then you can kind of just divvy up whoever else you want from there. I, I think that would probably be the best thing because, look, uh, we saw by the, uh, do we want to call it a measured reaction that the Aggie Brass had last week, or do we want to call it the uh, – temper tantrum that Texas A&M tried to throw like I think behind closed doors they're going to want to say look if if they move to the pod thing we want it to be a 14-0 vote that'll look good or at least a 13-0 with an with A&M abstaining whatever we will promise not to put you in the pod with Oklahoma and Texas you can play in the pod with LSU that's your rival that they tried to create or whatever uh, so I, I think that's about right because that for just from a pod standpoint that gives you two strong teams in, in, in all four pods. Cause I think once you move to a 12 team playoff, if you win your pod, you're essentially going to get a playoff spot. And then that gives them two other chances. Maybe like, I, I think it's, it's not unrealistic if the big 12 just goes away, that the SEC could have six teams in any given playoff if they feel like they have enough teams that are that good. So by putting just the two good teams in the pod in each pod, You've got a, a winner, and then maybe if, if your second-place team beat everyone else except for, say, OU and Texas, whoever wins. If Texas beats OU, and then OU just curb stomps the rest of their schedule, Texas and OU are both going to be able to get in because 
uh, of how that all is set up. So I think that makes the most sense. And I think if you're going to go 16 teams, I think you have to go pods just for scheduling because there's the A&M example, Matt. I think that, so A&M has been in the SEC, what, for nine, 10 years, they have not played Kentucky straight up in football, or at least in, in college station. And they haven't hosted Georgia yet. Like that's not fun. Whereas in the pod system, you at least host everyone every four years. You get to get real up close and personal with three other teams. Like I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think I saw that screenshot that you, uh, that you're, you're referencing. I think it was Texas OU, Arkansas, Missouri, and the West Pod, and then uh, LSU, A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, in in one Central Pod, and then Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and then Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. I think that's, I think that's not only fair. I think that's kind of what they have to do in order to get A&M to be on board with this thing. Because, look, it's. And look, I, I, I don't have any, anything against AM. I'm, I mean, I'm the, I'm the publisher of the Texas AM site now that launched, that launched at the beginning of July, too. I mean, I, I run both, both Longhorns and AM, but they, it seems like they don't want the smoke from Texas and Oklahoma right now, even though they're a better on field product than Texas. And I kind of get that. I mean, you, you want the whole point of their move was to get their own identity. And that's been, that was tough in the Big 12. And now it's becoming kind of a thing where it's like, well, well, shit, like we just got away from these guys and now they're coming right back. Like we need some sort of buffer here. Um, and like, I don't know if they would do away with the cross division rival thing. Cause I, that's one thing that I do like about the SEC and sort of in a vacuum, at least. Like I don't like that Ole Miss plays Vanderbilt every year. I feel like that's a worthless game, but I love that Alabama uh, plays Tennessee. I love that, you know, LSU plays Florida. There, there's certain matchups there that are really, really good if they could figure out a way to do that with, you know, Texas, at least Texas and Texas A&M playing every year, like just bringing that right back. I mean, look, there's not going to be a better television event in 2022 than, than Texas and A&M on Thanksgiving night in college station. It's just not going to happen. For sure. For sure. Well, and like, it makes sense for the rest of the SEC too. Cause in that screenshot we talk about, so what Alabama and Tennessee, um, there's Alabama, Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, both Alabama, Tennessee and Kentucky, Tennessee, those are big time games that mean a lot to those programs. And there's just geographically, there's not a way to put those three teams probably in the same pod. And it makes sense. So you're not going to be able to protect all of your rivalries. So like there need, like, even if you want to do a thing where, okay, we have a protected rivalry across the pod. So that means that, you have some rotating schedule where instead of just playing, you know, you play one team from pod A at home, one team from pod B on the road or pod A on the road, then you flip that the next year. And then the next two years, you play the other two teams. If you want to do a protected rival thing where, um, you know, A&M and Texas play. So A&M's pod, uh, you know, Texas only plays that the other team that just wants every six years like a home and home every six years like I think there are ways to make it happen it'll be weird scheduling quirks but I think that for the most part you'll be able to get those fun matchups and and it'll be as as exciting as like we've all kind of had to anticipate yeah one one thing I don't want to see if they do can you know figure out a way to make that uh that permanent cross pod rival or whatever you call I don't even know why we're all why we're calling it pods I don't know who came up with that term but I guess it just makes sense 
pods was the first out i've seen someone trying to make quads like the quadrants the thing and i was like no we're, we've been calling it pods for at least two days on twitter now so i think that it's just uh pods were the first one out they won the messaging battle yeah i, I guess so but look, one thing i wouldn't want to see is if they did make that uh that cross pod rivalry thing if uh, you know stick with texas and texas a&m if they weren't in the same grouping i really i really hope they wouldn't go the texas ou route and play on a neutral field. I mean, Texas and OU works because, you know, it's two different states. They have the Red River thing. Like it, it's just it's it, it's been like that forever. Like I don't I don't I don't yeah. know I don't I don't I can't go back and look at the history books right now. But I I'm, I don't I don't know when, if ever, they've played in Austin or in Norman. So I mean, it was if it was it was before our parents were born. <laughs> so I mean, it, yeah, it was a long well, time ago. And my parents yeah, they've were been old, playing so. the, they've been playing at the fairgrounds the 30s pretty yeah. much so, so i mean that that's just how it's always been texas and texas a&m that's that's a whole that's a whole different thing if you take away that that home and road dynamic of that game it's just it's not the same to me i mean yeah it's still a good rivalry and and all that stuff but playing at kyle field or playing at dkr in that rivalry is just such a different thing now the the thing here is that you can't that game is not going to exist for everyone, right? It's there's there's not the cross division or the cross pod rival for for every for every pod. It, it, it you're right, there would be some scheduling quirks, but barring them being in the same grouping, you, I feel like you kind of have to do that for just for the fans. I mean, and, and all the money that would be lost there by them not playing every year, I don't know if the SEC could ever justify that. Like, oh, yeah, we yeah. could be making a billion dollars, but we're only making yeah. 500 million. Well, especially because, like, the, the your alternative, I guess, is to go to divisions, right? And you're going to have two eight team divisions. Well, if you play a, what, a nine team, uh, if you play a nine game schedule, so if you're OU in Texas, you have to play seven of those against your division team. So if Alabama, Georgia, and Florida are in the other division, that means you might host them once in a decade, which that's, that's also not what you want, right? Like the promise of doing this is you're going to get to see new matchups. Guys, you're not going to have to go to Lawrence, Kansas to watch a football game ever again. You want to play the sucks in the SEC? You're going to go to Nashville and party and then go to Vanderbilt. Like that's a fun road trip. Like that's what the SEC is selling is better matchups, all this stuff. You want to be able to play those better matchups. So I think they'll figure it out. But yeah, the SEC, they've got, they're going to have the two marquee, uh, non-conference, or not non-conference, sorry, the two marquee neutral site games in Florida, Georgia, and OU Texas. Like, it, they just need to invite Army-Navy into the conference, and they've got, like, that market corner in their pot. So I, I think that they'll do the home and home, and uh, I, I wouldn't be too worried about that as much as just how do you schedule it so that it makes sense where everyone's playing often enough that you feel like you're in the same conference. Right. And um, so, obviously – like we, we kind of touched on earlier, this is this is really going to affect the entire landscape of college athletics. It's it's not just the SEC, it's not just the Big Twelve. Um every school every conference, it's probably gonna be the power four now, I guess, if if the Big Twelve actually, you know, tanks, which I think it has to at this point. Like you can't you can't bring in UCF and Cincinnati and Memphis and Houston nah. and, and call yourself a, a power conference anymore. But well, and the the money golf is just going to be so big. Like we, there was a 
CBS report that said, so the Big 12 conference schools not named OU in Texas make about 35 mil a year right now. The projection they were given, if, even if they added like Boise, Memphis, Cincinnati, UCF, is the, that's gonna, still going to drop to like 9 million. That's just not sustainable. You're not going to be able to keep up. Right. And obviously the team that will be the most sought after from that, from the remnants of the big 12 will be Oklahoma state because they're outside of Oklahoma and Texas. They're, they're the biggest moneymaker. They have T Boone Pickens. They've got the, the mullet and the marketability and the, 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 the offensive style and all that stuff. And they're probably, they're probably poised for the, for the pac 12 as is Texas tech, maybe Baylor, if they're lucky, uh, probably TCU just because they'll, they want, they want to have that Dallas Fort Worth um, market there. But before we get into how that conference might be structured, what's going to happen to Bedlam? Oh, it's done. Uh, I, I can tell you, I, I don't know if you've been following along. Dr. Casey Schrum, the new uh, president in Stillwater, is livid about how all of this went down. Uh, there is very, very real feelings of betrayal in Stillwater. Um, on the Oklahoma end, they're more than open to continuing to play Bedlam. But I think everyone understands that this is probably a series that's going to go away for a period of time, and it, it might come back. Uh, if Oklahoma State's able to land on their feet, whether it be the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, I think that will go a long way to bringing it back faster. Um, but it, there's definitely betrayal. Because when David Bourne was the president of Oklahoma, um, him and Burns Hargis, the, the then president at OSU, they were good friends. And David Bourne went out of his way to make sure that there was an open line of communication, that there was a great working relationship. That's why in the last round of realignment, everyone assumed that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State is a package deal. Uh, there's now new leadership in the form of athletic director and president of OSU, new president of OU. That was not the case this time around. And so, yeah, there, the, uh, the feelings are hurt in Stillwater. It's understandable. Uh, the rug was pulled out from them. So, uh, and I, I really, the vibe that we've been getting is that uh, Bedlam's going to go away probably for a, for a little bit at least. And football is going to go away for much longer than probably the other sports. But, yeah, Bed, Bedlam's coming to an end. It, it kind of sounds like exactly what happened with Texas and Texas A&M when, when A&M sure. went to the SEC. And that's really unfortunate because, it, I mean, Bedlam is obviously a big deal in the state of Oklahoma. It's, it hasn't really gotten the national attention that Texas and Texas A&M ever did, except for, you know, a select few seasons. But it's still a hell of a game to watch. I mean, it's, it's, it's so much fun. The fans get so into it. The offense is usually all over the place. It's it's in my opinion, it was one of the more underrated rivalries in college football. And it, it, it kind of sucks that, that things like this um, force those things apart, you know, because the country not yeah. having Texas and Texas A&M for so long is, has just been, it, it's kind of sucked some of the energy out of college football as a whole. I've, I feel like that's kind of going to happen to not to the same degree, but it, it's still going to happen a little bit with, with Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. Cause I look forward to watching that game every year. I mean, you, you want to, you want to see what's going to happen in that game and it, it just kind of sucks, but, but Oklahoma state is still, they're still sitting on easy street in, 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 in terms of they're the most desirable thing remaining in the big 12 conference. I don't think that's a secret. I mean, yeah, vacuum, it's, it's gotta be them or Kansas. That's And 
it's crazy that you think the the state that Kansas's football program is in, their basketball program still makes a ton of money. But right. OSU doesn't. OSU is they're they've got man their baseball teams on the up and up with O'Brate. Their brand new palace. Anyone that doesn't know, go look up O'Brate Stadium at Oklahoma State that they just built. That thing's nicer than most major league ballparks. They've got facilities out the wazoo. The softball team just made the World Series. Golf is electric. Wrestling, like they've across the board, they're going to find somewhere because they're competitive in, in everything, basically. Yeah, and the the only reason Kansas isn't playing in the MAC by this time next season is because of that basketball program. You know, it's sure. it's it's one of the few basketball programs in the entire country that is worth like potentially the Big Ten absorbing. Like Baylor just won the national championship in basketball, and nobody gives a shit because yeah they're not marketable in any other way like they're a private school they're very conservative they're in a weird area of the state like all a these different things uh, a generational scandal every decade yeah i mean there's always something going on with baylor but oklahoma state is is in a really great spot because the pac-12 i feel like the pac-12 has always fit oklahoma state and and probably Texas Tech too. I mean, I think they're I think that they're going to be kind of linked together in this whole thing. Um, and I was so I sat down and I was looking at the the structure of the way the Pac-12 could go, and it actually kind of fits perfectly because let's say let's say Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and Baylor and TCU that they just, the Pac-12 just absorbs those four teams, and that is just the Texas pod, right? Then right. you, you break up the other pods, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. That's natural geography. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. That's natural geography. And then UCF, or, uh, USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal. Those, those divisions are even. They're geographically sound. They're all competitive. And it really it, it makes a ton of sense for the Pac-12 to, to go and grab the four Texas teams because they make the conference better. They can come in and be competitive and really the whole thing, it, 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 it sets them up to be the second, well, maybe not quite on the level of the big 10, but it'll put them right there with the big 10 with all of those, those schools coming over from the, from the big 12 that can be competitive. Yeah. And, and they're going to be well-rounded football, basketball, like, so the two sports there, you're going to have tons of stuff there. And, and yeah, I, I think that this is one of those things that, the Pac-12 is going to be helped out by the fact that for years we've had the discussion of it feels like nationally is, well, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, those are the, the two ugly stepchildren. But now it's clearly like the Pac-12 got some good stuff. They're going to be able to elevate and move forward. And, and yeah, like you said, I, I think the Pac-12 is easily the most cut and dry. It makes tons of sense geographically. It makes ton, tons of sense when it comes to balance of the league. Like the, the Pac-12, they just have to determine if, they're able to drop their um, religious affiliated institutions thing. Cause that, that was their big thing last time is they didn't want to take BYU because they didn't want to be associated with the religious institutions or whatever. Are they going to waive that? No, they have a new commissioner to let TCU and Baylor come aboard. I think they should, cause I think that makes a ton of sense and it, it keeps the PAC 12 trying to be competitive in the state of Texas something that uh, we saw with Nebraska. Nebraska left their recruiting grounds in Texas to go to the Big Ten and basically wandered off into mediocrity and they'll probably never come back. So that's a good way to keep 
Like, because that'd be the concern for a school like OSU. If they go to the Big Ten, you're moving farther and farther away from Texas. If they're able to stick together with the Texas schools that are left, everyone stays there. They keep that nice, compact, competitive. And I, I think that makes a ton of sense for the Pac-12. Right. And the, the Pac-12 is so wide open. Like, Oregon is kind of the reigning champ there but like it's they're not like alabama is in the sec for example. right they're yeah. not like oklahoma has been in the big 12 so that thing is wide open oklahoma state can come in there immediately and compete um and it, it, it would it would it would be a lot of money to be made there um the big 10 was a little bit more complicated for me to come up with a structure for because well for for one thing i was basing it all under the assumption when i was when i started doing this thing that there was only 12 teams in the big 10. And then I realized, Oh shit, Rutgers and Maryland are there that, which, which, <laughs> which totally doesn't make sense for anything geographically. But I think I figured out, I think I figured something out and I want to get your opinion on it. All right. So division one would be Michigan, Michigan state, Purdue and Indiana. So you keep that Michigan, Michigan state rivalry. And obviously, you know, we, we'd have to figure out something here for cross division rivals for Michigan, Ohio state, because that game can't go away. Right. Um, Division two would be Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers, and Maryland, because you know. Yeah, you get, I don't. I don't know gotta, why Maryland's in the Big Ten. It, it just doesn't we, make sense. <laughs> we got to stick Maryland somewhere. You know, you yeah. got to stick Rutgers and Maryland somewhere. Yeah, and then we got Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Illinois in another division, and then you bring in Kansas and Iowa State from the Big Twelve. And you you uh, you pair them up with Iowa and and reunite them with former Big Twelve foe Nebraska. Um, that's probably the least competitive of the divisions on paper, but given the way Iowa State has kind of reformed their football program and that natural rivalry that they have with Iowa, who's always good, they're never bad. Uh, right, they're always okay. Um, I think that's really the only way you could structure it outside of finding a way to, to pair up uh, Ohio state and Michigan and the same thing. And that's, that's getting harder by the day because if you, if you switch Ohio state and um, Michigan state, for example, that division with Rutgers and Maryland. And I mean, like, what do you, what do you, what do you, yeah. do you know, it, well, it's not, here, not competitive. Here's the easy thing is you can just say, Hey, uh, Rutgers and Maryland, we're going to shaft you on the scheduling and you're going to get Michigan and Ohio State one less time than everybody else so that those two can play and everyone else can yeah. just do their normal thing. And, and uh, hey, I don't think that Rutgers or Maryland will complain too much. I don't think Ohio State or Michigan will complain too much. That, that one's the easier one. There's less, like you're able to keep the regional rivalries together a little bit easier uh, when you do that pod before. Because I, I think, yeah, K- Kansas and Iowa State to the Big Ten makes the most sense anyway of just they're the only two big 12 schools left um, of that eight that's been left behind that have that AAU academic accreditation that the big 10 so heavily seeks. So you just move them over there. And uh, yeah, I, I would state that the way that Matt Campbell has, he's been planning something like this for a while. When you look at his non-conference schedules, Matt, and you look at um, how many times he has Iowa state trying to play some of the lesser schools in Ohio, just so that they can recruit and say, we play in this region all the time. Uh, I think it fits the kind of players that Matt Campbell wants to bring in. And so if they can keep a hold of them, I think that sets up Iowa State to be 
immediately competitive in, in the Big Ten just because if they can just beat Iowa, which I know they don't do very often, then uh, they'll be ruling one of their pods, it looks like on paper at least. And then if, if you're winning your pod, you've got a chance. Right. And, you know, hopefully we could just figure out a way to send uh, Maryland back to the ACC and, and, and maybe, I mean, but then if you bring in Kansas State, that's not exactly an upgrade. So I, I don't know where to go from there. But yeah, I, um, I think that's the real lesson is that Kansas State is probably headed to the American Athletic Conference which really sucks because Manhattan is an awesome environment to go play in. I know that they're on that short list of uh, power five schools that have literally never won a national championship in anything, but uh, that's the real shame in all this is that the Kansas state, that atmosphere, those people, I've been up there plenty of times to be uh, really sad for what's going on for Kansas state at, at this juncture. Yeah, you got you. You really got to feel bad for them, man. They're they're probably the even even more so than Baylor. They're probably the one school that um, you just don't know what's going to happen with them. I I honestly feel like they're going to go group of five after this is all said and done. I don't see where else they could go. Um, maybe they get lucky and the Big Ten decides to go to twenty teams or something like that and try and yeah, set a new precedent. Yeah, something wild. Yeah, but I, I just don't see that happening. Um. Let, let's kind of wrap things up on the ACC because they've always been kind of the weakest of the, of the four or the weakest of the five power fives uh, in terms of just Clemson just dominates it every single year. There's, there's never really a challenger. North Carolina is starting to kind of get there. Um, I don't know if they're quite there yet, but they have to do something to, to match what all the other conferences are going to do. And I think the natural additions for them are pretty easy. It's West Virginia and it's UCF. UCF yeah, is I, a powerhouse waiting to happen. And, well, and I think that too, it, it helps. It helps solidify Florida for you. Like Florida is a national recruiting state, but it really helps if you can go in and say, yeah, we've got, three teams down here so anyone that wants to come in and help recruit florida that's great it helps ucf out because because ucf's whole goal right now is to be as good as possible in their mouths on and jump to a power five conference the big 12 maybe was someone that they had their eyes on well the big 12's dead now so yeah go to the acc with the 12 team playoff uh notre dame's they're just going to continue to be independent. They, they've, they have found a way to make it to the playoff as an independent. So you just have to say, you know what? Notre Dame's a pipe dream. Go get UCF and build a new legit uh, school. And I love that for sure. It gets our pals West Virginia back where they probably should have been to start with, which will, which will be good for them because they can get that rivalry with Pitt back, uh, Virginia Tech, stuff like that. So uh, yeah. that, that's what makes the most sense. Hopefully the ACC ponies up and just goes ahead and does it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think that if if Notre Dame somehow got sucked into this whole realign conference structure, geographically, I kind of feel like it would have to be the Big Ten, and then maybe you you move Maryland somewhere else, or you move Rutgers to a Group of Five school where they belong, uh, one of those kinds of things. But the structure that I came up with for the for the ACC, this was by far the hardest one to do because it's, it's, it's very, everything was really, it's weird with, with Louisville, with Louisville being there and, you know, um, in Boston college and Pittsburgh and all that. So just 
give me your opinions on this one. Division one is Clemson, Louisville, Virginia Tech, Virginia. Division two is Florida State, Miami, UCF, and Georgia Tech. Division three is North Carolina, Duke, North Carolina State, and Wake Forest, which is a dominant basketball pod. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an all-time great basketball pod right there. And then uh, Division Four: Boston College, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and West Virginia. Because I don't know where to put West Virginia, but it's 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 hard because there's with Clemson being so dominant, and like where Florida State and Miami would usually fill that void, they haven't been what the ACC has needed them to be, especially Florida State. Miami's sort of trying to get back there. Uh, UCF, if they do get admitted into the conference would be probably immediately one of the three or four best teams in the conference, which is kind of crazy. Um, and kind of shows you what the ACC is really working with, but it's, it's a tough one with the ACC because it's kind of all over the map on the East coast. And there's not a lot outside of the North Carolina division. There's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of geographical rivalry type stuff. Uh, I guess maybe the Florida, the Florida part of it, but I don't know. Give me your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I like that one. I think with the ACC more than anything, you're just like throwing even geography and competitive balance aside. Cause like you said, the competitive balance is there. Uh, you, you just got to go with, okay, what rivalries can, can you keep up going? So like, the, I, I thought that sounded fine. I might flip Virginia tech into West Virginia's pod just cause um but then you'd, you'd have to split Virginia Tech and Virginia, and, and that makes it all weird. Like, I don't know if there's a way to basically go Virginia, Virginia Tech, Pitt in West Virginia maybe, and make that a pod, and then, and then just feed the scraps to Clemson, just because I, I know that that's a, a big game that West Virginia enjoys. But I, I think there it's just, hey, try to line up everyone's rivalries and, and keep that as close to inside one pod as possible. But it, it, you're kind of throwing a bone there with the Florida pod, basically, plus Georgia Tech, and then the North or the Carolina pod there. So I think that that sounds fine. It's one of those things that, um, like we said, from competitive balance standpoint, it's going to be tough. So if you just keep, if you keep the regional as close to possible, you'll get those rivalries. And, and that's what the ACC is going to have to be until they can get some better coaches in there. They're just going to, we're going to have to live off of fun games between Virginia and Virginia tech that are fun. Cause it's a game they hate, but has no bearing national. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, like you said, UCF's going to walk in and be one of the best football teams there. And that says a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's look at the, the Virginia, Virginia tech rivalry or the Pittsburgh, West Virginia stuff. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the egg bowl with Ole Miss and Mississippi state. Like it's, it, it's always fun. And it's like, it's, it's, it's fun to watch and the people hate each other and all that stuff. But when it comes to national relevance, yeah, it doesn't oh, yeah. because those teams aren't competing for, national titles now and this is the thing that we'll close on um this 12 team playoff idea with all these teams moving to 16 team conferences potentially or however they're going to structure it we don't know that yet but we do know that the 12 team playoff thing is probably going to happen and that opens things up for schools like oklahoma state like mississippi state like ole miss uh you know north carolina and the acc where they don't necessarily have to win the conference to make the playoff anymore. Um, All they have to do is be competitive 
win a couple games on the field, maybe finish second or third. Like if you like if you go back, say that the 12 team structure uh, had been in place in 2014. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, uh, I think UCF, like there were the, there were the whole all eight teams were teams that never would have made the playoff in an, in another system. And yet those schools are now right. getting a chance to potentially make that mark for their program and and translate it to the recruiting trail. I mean, is the twelve team t- playoff is that the best thing college football could do? Period. Even more so than this com- conference realignment. I. I don't know about that. I mean, from like, so here's the deal. How, how many competitive semifinal games do we have right now when we have four teams? It's not a lot, right? So I, I'm not sure. Like, I still think your Alabamas, your Georgias, your Oklahomas are going to be so much better than that second and third tier that I, I don't know if you're going to see a whole lot change at the top. Will we get one wild upset every year? Sure. But I, I think it's no doubt good for the game, especially if you're moving to super conferences, that teams have a chance and a path, right? That that a, a Mississippi State can capitalize on a good year. An Ole Miss can go in and capitalize on having a really good year, make it into a playoff, things like that. Like, I, I think that's a good thing for sure. So I, I'm not the biggest fan of the 12-team model personally, just because, like, it, it's just going to lead to more blowout semi or quarterfinals and semifinals and stuff but it'll be good to your group of five teams have a chance which is what they deserve if you're going to put them through the same gauntlet that everyone else plays as far as having to show up play every week like they deserve a mathematical path because they don't have that right now in school and it it makes things where maybe you'll see that uh maybe this is good for a place like michigan that can't get over the hump because they're getting drummed by ohio state and as a result they can't make the playoff well Maybe they're able to make the playoff one or two times and, and do that much better to make that rivalry more competitive, stuff like that. So I think there'll be good things. There'll be bad things, just like anything else. Um, and I think in the end, it'll, it'll all equate to being better for college football when it's all said and done. But I, I do think as a result, we're going to have to sit through a lot more playoff blowouts, which are not fun for anyone. Yeah. And the, the unfortunate thing for uh, my Texas fans that are listening um I know this is only my second episode, so please do not, uh, you know, cancel me because of this. But in right, man, two episodes and you're bringing two OU guys, you know, <laughs> OU coverage guys on. I don't, I don't think that's going to endear yourself, Matt. I don't know if that's a great plan moving forward. But if you if you go back and you do the twelve team structure all the way back to like the last to the year after the last time Texas made the national championship, they still would not have made a single college football playoff over the last decade even in a 12 team system that's and that's that's kind of a that's kind of a wake up call for for I think not just Texas but a lot of these other programs that kind of hold themselves a little bit higher than they than they should have been in the last few years and look I think Texas is going to make a, a really strong comeback over Steve Sarkeesian I think that was a perfect hire uh especially now that they're going to the SEC um it's going to take them a little time to catch up uh, to Oklahoma and, and Alabama and all those all those guys, but they're going to be right there. But um, I don't know. It's just kind of wild to think about that a school like Texas is still in that position, uh, even with those twelve team playoffs. But um, but John and uh, and I, you know, we had a great conversation about it last week. Um, now we've got Ryan on here 
and another great conversation about this this and it's it's not going to stop right right uh, yeah i feel i feel like has it been have you guys had the same experience down there where you just have twitter open all day long and like every hour a new bombshell comes out and you're just like in any normal like other time you'd be like oh my gosh this is the biggest story ever now we're just like it's a week straight of just little by little everything's leaking out it's been fascinating i mean i i can't get ahead like every time yeah, i'm like no, okay i think yeah. that's the story for the day just some somebody else tweets something out or we hear something else and it's just i'm ready for it to be over in one sense because i'm just tired but in the other sense i want it to keep going because we're just making more money so I mean, hey, keep keep it's, coming. Uh, it's gonna make that trip to Lawrence so much easier when you're sitting in the press box going, "Oh, thank goodness, we're 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 covering uh, Alabama and and Ole Miss and Tennessee and stuff like that." Or even with their bad Neyland Stadium on a bad night, still a much better experience than half the places in the Big Twelve. So yeah, and you won't have to sit in the press box in Lawrence, Kansas, in November or December. <laughs> <laughs> when you yeah. can be in, you can be in Florida or Mississippi or or somewhere like that. So for sure, for uh, sure. Anyway, Ryan, it was great having you on. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. At Radios Ryan. At Radios Ryan. Um, we've got all the OU stuff imaginable. And uh, look, if you're an NBA fan, we've got some other stuff too uh, on that timeline. So just head over there at Radios Ryan, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything from the Norman perspective. All right, and uh, that's going to do it for uh, the second episode of the LonghornsCountry.com podcast. Uh, we appreciate everyone joining us. We are now live on mostly every major platform except for iTunes. We're, we're working on that one. It should be any day now, but uh, please go like and rate and subscribe and uh, go check out AllSooners.com. They are the, uh, the one Big 12 team that beat me this month uh, on, in terms of traffic. So uh, I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to pick up slack there for the rest of the month. But uh, Ryan, again, it was great having you on. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Absolutely, man. We'll see you.